Welcome to Axiom's Data Guru Podcast, where data experts share wisdom and insights around high-performing audiences and all things data. I'm your host, Scarlett Burks. Welcome. We're really excited to welcome Vicki Bakar, Senior Manager for Data Products, to the podcast today. Vicki, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your role at Axiom? Sure. So I'm currently, like you said, uh, a product manager for digital data innovation. What this means is that I work to refine and advance our different digital offering across a whole data portfolio. So both U.S. data and also global data. Um, I've kind of always been in the marketing industry. I started by interning for a really small um, agency while I was in college. And then I worked there for a little bit after college. And that allowed me to learn a bunch of, uh, of skills. It was small, so I did everything from web design to, um, to paid search, to social media, to copywriting, and, and I really enjoyed it. And then Axiom um, released a job offer. They were looking for somebody that spoke French. And I don't know if you can hear it, but <laughs> France is my, uh, is my native country. Uh, so I thought it would be really cool to have um, a job in the industry or I would be able to use my, uh, my native language. So that was about eight years ago. Um, I've been in and out of Axiom since then, and I've had role in um, delivery, in architecture, and most recently in products, but almost always I've had something to do with uh, global data and global solutions. All right. Well, that segues perfectly into our next question. Since <laughs> Axiom is a global data company, just give us an idea of the, the scale of the, the data, the countries uh, where Axiom has uh, services and offerings. Okay. Uh, so Axiom can reach consumers in over 60 countries. Uh, we say that represents about two and a half billion consumers, um, which is roughly maybe two thirds of the connected world, because obviously not everybody has access to the internet. And the, um, we have a lot of data and the type of data that we have and the services that we can offer will vary a lot per country. But if you're trying to get just a big overall number, we typically say that we have about 10,000 attributes available. So that's, that's a lot of data. Um, and if anybody's interested in finding out more about what we have and in which country, I'm going to make a plug for Global Data Navigator, um, which is our global catalog where you can see all of, uh, you know, all of the data, all of the services that we have per country. And um, Scarlett, I think you might, might know better than me, but I think that's available on axiom.com to request. Yes, it is. It is. Um, and in terms of new offerings, things happening with data, what countries are you most excited about right now? Yeah, so right now is a bit of an of an odd time, um, as you know, with COVID, a lot mm -hmm. of uh, you know things are kind of going haywire everywhere in the world. Um, but if we put that aside and we know markets are going to rebound, uh, the Latin America market is a really cool one. Um, so that means any country in you know South and Central America, but really the ones that are exciting for us are Mexico, Brazil, and Argentina. They're newer markets uh, if you compare them to the U.S. or even Western Europe. So they're not as saturated as was uh, as those areas, and there's just a lot of opportunities there. Um, I agree. So this is Linda. If you didn't know, I was on the podcast as well. And <laughs> what, what I find exciting about LATAM countries is that they're new in the digital world for targeting really at a, a more descriptive level instead of just geographical information. In some cases, we have richer data that's available for these markets as well. 
Yeah, that's right. And we're starting to have, so it used to be countries where we didn't have a lot of services available, but over the past six months to a year, we've really been ramping up our offerings. And I think that's very exciting. So if it's okay, I kind of want to run through uh, what we have to offer in markets like Mexico and Brazil. Great. Um, okay, so for, for marketers that need actual people-based data, we have our Infobase, which um, most people that work with XM are familiar with Infobase. We have that in several different countries. And it's available through syndicated segments on most major platforms, but you can also do custom segmentation. And if you need that, you can reach out to Linda on her data guru team. Um, they can get you set up. Uh, then we recently launched Axiom Mobile. I'm not going to go over you know, on too many details on that because Linda and Christiani did an amazing podcast on that a few weeks ago. Um, but Axiom Mobile is based on mobile behavior. So for marketers who are looking for users that have done a specific behavior, um, it, we have data that comes from location data, from Bluetooth, from app installs. So it's really good exhibited behavior. So for example, um, users that have been out of the country or maybe that have done a certain type of restaurant, or maybe have downloaded uh, some, some gaming apps, you can use Axiom Mobile for that. Um, also, it's not people-based, so it's not matched to Infobase, and we're really looking at the behavior of the device, not the person, which can lift some of the privacy barriers that we sometimes find. And Linda, can you tell us how clients are using you know, that location or signal data? Uh, more effectively for their campaigns? So for Axiom Mobile, what people are really interested in is what types of apps they have on their phone. Are they a really frequent traveler? Do they stream very much? So we're getting a lot of clients that are interested in that. Maybe they're trying to do competitive, or maybe in one case, someone has a streaming device as their client. So they're trying to get people who are at an event in the future who stream a lot and get their client to pay for it. So it's kind of all over the board. Oh, yeah. All right. And can, um, can you tell us, Vicki, I know you said our offerings vary by country. Tell us how the, the privacy laws impact that and some of the, the differences and things in countries. Can I keep going on like semantics and a few other things that I want to hit on? You sure can. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I'll just there's two more. Um, so some, Two other offerings that we have, one is very recent as well, um, is Axiom Semantics, where we can build personas on top of anonymous cookies that are based on the keywords that are consumed by those cookies. It's really cool. It uses linguistic learning and machine learning, and it really gives a really good and complete uh, persona of those anonymous cookies. So for example, because that's a little complicated. Um, I'm what most people would call an outdoor enthusiast. I like being outdoors, but I have a very specific type of outdoor enthusiast to say. I like to go rock climbing and I like to go hiking. Don't give me a fishing pole. Don't, don't give me uh, a <laughs> to go hunting. I will not get on a mountain bike. There's a bunch of things that are considered outdoor enthusiasts as term of, uh, in terms of audiences that you know, if marketers use that, I wouldn't be interested in it and they would just be wasting their money on me. With Semantic, you would be able to see all the websites that I'm using and I'm going to websites, you know, looking at different crags and looking at different um, sports climbing route and reviewing climbing gear. Um, and so you would really be able to get a good idea of the type of outdoors that I like and be able to target someone like me that's very likely to convert rather than um, waste your money on other people that aren't so likely. 
And we've had super good results with Axiom Semantics to date. I have a case study that'll be coming out shortly where we outperformed Google as far as uh, responsiveness, video completion rate, everything. So yeah, we're really excited awesome. about That's that. That's great to hear because it, it really it really has uh, solved a lot of problems that you cannot solve with other you know either people based or or behavioral data. So I'm I'm not surprised. That's I'm excited to see that. Yeah. And let me let me throw this out there while we're talking about semantic uh, to either one of you. A lot of times we hear contextual marketing marketing talk about how semantic is different than than what their traditional contextual marketing means. I'll take that one. So the difference with contextual is you're you're looking at URLs. So it's all about the website versus the content in the words that you're reading. So I can be served an ad anywhere because I read an article about recipes and I'm a big Instapot person, right? So now I can get ads for things about Instapot or similar products on other websites that have nothing to do with my cooking behavior. I could be on something about cats and dogs and mm -hmm. everything else and still see the ad, which is not possible with contextual. Got it. And okay. I think uh, Scarlett, you give me a good segue into my last one, mm -hmm. which is axiom behavioral, because a behavioral is also another one that's kind of confused with contextual. Um, and it's also very topical right now because we have a lot of axiom behavioral segments for Latin America and Hispanic speakers. And this month is Hispanic uh, Heritage Month, I think. Yes. yes. We uh, we just had a really cool blog post by one of our colleagues, uh, Vanessa. Mm -hmm. And so Axiom Behavioral is um, we place a tag on websites and we categorize those tags into behavior. So if you go onto um, the soccer section of ESPN.com, then you would be a likely soccer fan. Um, and the, what's unique about Axiom Behavioral that we don't have in most other places, typically we do targeting on a country by country basis. So mobile info base, you have to pick your country. There, it targets everyone in the world that um, is Hispanic, so that speaks Spanish or Portuguese. So from mm -hmm. one audience, you would be able to target someone in Chile, in Spain, also the Hispanic population of the US. Um, so it's really cool for awareness campaign, um, just easy to reach a lot of consumer at the same time. That is awesome. Okay, let's talk about uh, kind of where we were headed a few minutes ago when we think about privacy laws and regulations and how they vary by country. What does that mean in terms of the type of data we can offer? Uh, it, it means a lot of differences. We often have uh, marketers and advertisers that are coming to us, and their expectation is that the type of data that's available in the U.S. is the same type of data they'll be able to find anywhere else. That is very far from reality. Uh, the U.S. is by far the market of the most data, the most different types of data, um, the most granular data. So there's different regulations. We always talk about GDPR. That's the one that comes back all the time. But there's been regulations before that. Um, Japan has had the APPI for over 15 years. Canada has had PIPEDA. Uh, Brazil just came out with the uh, LGPD. So every most countries around the world have some kind of different um, privacy regulation. And typically what it means is that uh, the data that's available is less plentiful. It needs to be mm -hmm. really consented. There's also a lot of different types of data that's sensitive. Um, so there's just less choice. It doesn't mean that there's less accuracy. 
Um, mm -hmm. We see really good results from data that's geo-level data or from model data. Um, so the lack of choice doesn't necessarily translate into a lack of results, um, but it's something that's important to understand and that your options are going to be different. Okay, and um, Linda, you gave us a really good example uh, earlier around some of the mobile data, but talk to us about just in terms of our global offerings overall, how can we help advertisers with with those uh, offerings where we couldn't before? Yeah, so in my mind, global data really takes a consultative approach because we have so many different offerings today and we need to understand what are their key performance objectives? What are they trying to reach? Are they upper funnel? Are they mid funnel? Is it a simple awareness campaign? And then work with them directly to really get under the covers and say, here's three different options, right? We can do more of a a holistic approach when we get in bed with a client in that way, right? So we might do a mobile option and also a semantic option. We can do champion near challenge options, all those types of things. If you give us a chance, instead of just picking everything off the shelf and not reaching out to Axiom directly. Mm -hmm. um, so give us an example of the types of companies that that you're helping. Yeah, so I've, re I've had meetings with uh, a large soap company, right? So they wanted to go after Hispanic women for a high-end soap brand. I've worked with people in Italy for an air conditioner, right? Mm -hmm. So a uh, room-to-room -room type air conditioner. We've mm -hmm. worked with people on uh, business-to-business campaigns right? So understanding what type of employment the consumer may have, what type of content they might be reading that would lead you to understand that that's their job role. So um, those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head, but we've had at least 50 different campaigns running internationally today. Great. And how would someone get started uh, seg segmenting online audiences with this international data? Well, so there's a couple different options, right? There's mm -hmm. mobile data navigator, as Vicki mm -hmm. said. So you can request access either through axiom.com or through Data Guru. Then we have some self-serve tools that are available for some countries. So if you wanted to work with a Mexico file yourself and dig in and see what's available and create custom segments, send them to Facebook, et cetera, that's available today. You can use the Data Guru team to help build a semantic audience or a custom audience. And then Axiom Mobile is live in many platforms already today. So you'll see those segments for different countries, but if you don't see it in the DSP you're using today, again, just reach out to Data Guru. We can help you with what's available where and help put together that plan. Awesome, so there's lots of, lots of options out there for folks. Um, okay, Vicki, let's switch gears a little bit. With so much talk about cookie and mobile ad IDs going away or becoming less useful moving forward, uh, what can Axiom do to help advertisers? Where, where I think the industry is going with uh, the third-party cookies going away in a few years and the ADFA got, was given a few more months to live. Uh, but what we know for sure is that uh, we're going to rely on first-party data a lot more than we did before. We've always relied on it, but now it's going to become very important. Um, it's data that's very valuable. Uh, it's already consented. It's people-based. 
and we really don't know what solutions we're going to be working with in a year or two, uh, but we do know that advertisers are going to need first-party data to be able to communicate with the different with the different publishers. So what Axum can do to help with that is help bringing in all the data together into a custom first-party graph. So most brands have maybe a data from their point of sales, and then they'll have data from um, you know, a newsletter, and then they'll have a pixel to get first-party cookies. And Axiom can help you bring all of that toge together so that you can build your audiences and you can activate your audiences. Awesome. So really making full use of that, that valuable asset that they have mm -hmm. already. Um, and so just for definition for folks listening, when we say PII, personally identifiable information, what is that? Um, so that's that's a really good question because we do say PII a lot, and that is a very US-centric term. In other countries, if you look at GDPR, PII isn't in there. They call it personal data. Um, so it has different names in different parts of the world, but I we can all agree that it means data that can be tied back to an individual. Um, so things like name and address and phone number and email are the ones we typically think of. Um, globally, you're going to be adding things like tax IDs in a lot of Latin markets, um, but also things like maybe your location, your latitude, your longitude, or your maid, your mobile advertiser ID on your on your phone. So there's a lot of um, different data that is uh, personally identifiable, and and it seems that that's changing, and we're always adding to it. Um, one thing that's for sure, though, about PI or personal data is that um, brands and everybody that has it is becoming very, um, just they want to be very safe and secure with it, very protective was the word that I was looking for. They, we used to be able to exchange data pretty freely, and every year it's that it gets tighter, both from privacy regulations, but even companies' policy. We come up a lot of our clients that just no longer want to share PII. They're worried that the data is going to breach or they're worried that somebody's even going to maliciously do something with their data. Um, mm -hmm. So we're starting to run into that a lot. Yeah, and that's a really important way for brands and advertisers to build that trust mm -hmm. with the people they're serving when they know they can uh, count on them to handle their data appropriately, use it, share it appropriately. appropriately. Exactly. Um, and what about for a country where PII just can't be shared? What kind of solutions do we offer them? So we've had, um, we have a few solutions there for, I'd say the first type of, um, of solutions where we would run into those issues where with second party matching type data, where we would have two brands that are interested in um, knowing which customers they have in common so that they can do maybe joint marketing. So if you think of maybe, um, you know, uh, an American airline and a Marriott, typically when you fly somewhere, you also have to sleep somewhere unless you, it's a very short flight. Um, so it would be good for those two brands to get together and figure out which customer they have in common, um, and, but they don't want to share each other's data. What if Marriott decides to turn around and send that data to Delta, and then American mm -hmm. Airlines is in a lot of trouble? So we've had uh, for a while Axiom, um, Axiom Safe Heavens environments where you could bring, so we receive the data from both uh, brands and then we match it for them and only return their own data with maybe some attributes or some flags, but nobody sees anybody else's data. So we've had that for a while. Um, now we're going even further where we are seeing um, brands want to be in, to have even more control of their data. They do not want the data to go to Axiom at all or maybe you're doing the data exchange with us, and so they want somebody else to be that third party. So we have a new solution that um, that's available now that is 
very cool and I'm very excited about it. Um, that allows you to share data among different partners without the data actually leaving your firewall. So the PI stays um, all nice and warm on the company side and the, the PI is hashed in a unique way that cannot be reproduced with other people that cannot be reproduced on another job. And um, then the data can be matched by a third party, a neutral third party that cannot do anything with the data. They don't know what it is. They just see what was hashed and they can compare, they can append elements, they can just do some kind of trending or let you know um, who you have in common. And that's available both for hard key on you know, things like email and phone, but also on fuzzy matching, which is really cool. So you can map, um, you, know, you can match name and address from different people and without the name and address ever leaving, uh, leaving your firewall. Yeah, I That's used to do cool. campaigns along those lines uh, for bank mergers way back in the days. This kind of shows my age in the digital world and the marketing world of when there were a lot of bank merger acquisitions and companies would want to know if I bought company B, how much overlap do I have? How much are net new? How many customers do we have in common that I'm going to um, have more loans or more deposits from? Things like that. And today, I have a client that's done it. So it's a clothing store and they worked with a party store. So if you think about young kids, they oftentimes back in the good old days would have birthday parties and have all their friends over. So uh, they shared information back and forth so that you could target across their, their two companies for date of birth between the two files and target birthdays and parties and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that's becoming really, um, I feel like, even more valuable uh, partnership marketing because typically it doesn't cost anything to acquire or to just look at, um, you know, it's mutually beneficial and it's just a different way to, to do marketing than your typical paid channels. Right. You just have to make sure your privacy agreements allow it. Yes. <laughs> and Linda, if someone wanted to get more information on doing this type of matching, who, how would they get started? Who should they contact? You'd want to contact your sales executive at Axiom, and if you don't have one, we'll help you find one. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's more of a custom type engagement, typically. Yes. Okay. Vicki, tell me, um, as, you've, as part of your role at, at looking at the innovative uses of data, uh, give us some examples of some of the most um, exciting ways you're seeing data being used today. Yeah, so if you know me, uh, typically in the first five minutes, I will mention my dog and my cats. Um, <laughs> I am a big animal lover. I have, uh, so I have three pets, they're all rescues. And I came upon this uh, rescue, I can't remember where they're from, uh, they were based in the US, that use third-party data to be able to match uh, a pet with, uh, with a user. So instead of just showing you know, every dog that is available, they would see, they would create audiences. So of, you know, I was saying earlier, uh, adore enthusiasts and hikers and people that are active. And well, those would get an ad with the cute Australian shepherd. And then mm -hmm. the people that like to read and um, just stay inside, they would get an ad for the old fat cat that just wants to you know, curl up <laughs> on your lap. Um, if, you had, you know, if you had kids, they would just, uh, I think they were showing, you know, really playful labs and things like that. And I thought that was really cool because I, I love animal rescue and, um, it really is important to match the right person to the right uh, to the right animal, and seeing it used like mm -hmm. that for good, I thought, I thought it was really neat. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the uh, 
biggest benefits of the pandemic that I've seen where they've talked about some of the shelters emptying out because people took this time of being at home to get a new pet and be there to spend time with them. So. Yeah, I can't believe I still haven't gotten another dog. It's taken a lot of uh, a lot of mental strength to to, to stay where I am. <laughs> to stay strong. Yes. Okay. Well, now as we wrap up, uh, for fun, we'd like to ask a question about what new hobbies you've started during this time of COVID. Yeah, so I, I mentioned I like rock climbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, during COVID, all the rock climbing gyms were closed. And then they were, even though in Arkansas, we didn't get an official lockdown, we were really recommending not going to small communities where you can find outdoor walls and you know, social distance, all of that. You, uh, climbing is really an option. So I picked up hangboarding, which is a very climbing specific uh, specific type of workout. And it sounds crazy to most people that don't climb because it's a board and I'm just hanging on it with weight uh, by the tip of my fingers. And that's all I do. I'm just hanging there for seven seconds and then I stop and then I start it again. And so I've, I've picked up hangboarding, which is a, it's, it's, it's an unusual hobby, I would say. How <laughs> Linda, we weight? can't wait to try that, right? <laughs> How much weight do you put on yourself? Does well, it vary? It, it, yeah, it varies. So there's multiple edges. So some of them are like an inch and then I put a lot of weight and I might put, I don't know, 20 pounds. And then some of them are, you know, half an inch. And then I might not put any weight because I'm not, my fingers aren't strong enough, but it's really to get your fingers stronger. Wow. Interesting. What about your toes? I want you to hang by your toes next. Uh, I will try. Okay. I I will send you my medical bill, though. No. No. Oh, well, I think that that qualifies uh, as one of our most interesting uh, time of COVID uh, hobbies taking up. Right up up there with um, moles. uh, Moles being killed by Christiani. That's right. Oh, yes. I I forgot about that. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, Vicki, thanks so much for joining us today. And Linda, always, it's always wonderful to have you uh, with us. And uh, we'll talk again soon.